Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. Enjoy a drink with us while we tell you some wild stories of the brutal and bizarre variety. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we like to end our time with a chaser. Declan, tell me the story. What story are you going to tell us today? Today, I'm talking about North Sentinel Island. Oh, an island. Well, my story has islands in it, too. So exciting. I'm going to talk about Captain Kidd, the pirate, and his treasure. Mm. Or treasures. And this, yes, the drink that I brought with uh, this story today is the New York Sour. So that drink is made up of two ounces of bourbon, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, half to three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, one egg white or half an, or excuse me, one ounce of pasteurized liquid egg white, if you don't want to go full-on egg. Then you also add in half to three-quarters of an ounce of dry red wine. So the, the instructions are to combine all the ingredients except the red wine into a cocktail shaker without ice. Shake hard for 20 to 30 seconds. That is to whip up and froth up that egg white. Then you add ice to the shaker, shake again for another 10 seconds to really get everything nice and cold. And then you strain that into an old-fashioned glass over fresh ice. Here's where the red wine comes in. You take a spoon and you drizzle the red wine over the back of the spoon so that it floats on the top of the drink. And then you garnish. The garnish, I saw a couple different recipes one suggested a lemon twist and others suggested a Luxardo cherry on a little skewer. I couldn't find Luxardo cherries, so I used a lemon twist. So I and it is it. I don't have any garnish. You don't have a garnish? Nope. So for all those on YouTube, this is the drink and it's very fancy looking. Yes, looks great. Nice. So, like, definitely the fanciest drink, fanciest looking drink I've ever made for sure. So, (laughs) and it's frothier than the other drink that we had with uh, egg whites. But I think that's because I, I did use an egg white. I did. I looked for Uh, liquid egg white at numerous stores and couldn't find it, so I went with a full on egg white. So, hopefully, it doesn't make me sick. Nah, I didn't. It said optional in the recipe you sent me, so <laughs> I chose the optional route. I did not, no. Right. So apparently, like the original, there's like the history, depending on where you find the history, originally was without an egg white, and then there's some legend that it like came in. I don't know, whatever. The recipe that I used... uh that I grabbed was with an egg white. So I did egg white, which is why my drink is frothy. (laughs) All right. Are you ready to try it? 
Let's try yeah. it. I'm a little scared, but here we go. Got a lot that's, of red wine, and that's it. Yeah, it's boozy, uh, but I really shook the hell out of that egg white, and it's it's creamy and frothy on the top because I put the egg white in. But it's not terrible. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it would be even better without the red wine, but without the it makes red it wine. look pretty. So it does. It's so pretty. So I have a little bit of background, very brief. So if people aren't digging the backgrounds, this is a short one. Basically, it's believed that it first was made in Chicago in the 1880s. And it has had several different names, including the Continental Sour, Sowie Whis Southern Whiskey Sour, Brunswick Sour, Claret Snap, and then finally got the name the New York Whiskey Sour. That's it. That's all the history I have on it. So, like I said, very short and to the point. And nice. sometimes it has egg whites and sometimes it doesn't. So, depends on if you want to <laughs> add it in there. But I chose this drink because of its New York name. And the Captain Kid, I didn't know this until I really started researching it. Captain Kidd was based out of New York. So that's why I chose it. So let's get on with the story. For centuries, people have talked about finding buried treasure, which is pretty amazing. It'd be awesome to find valuable coins, jewels, anything like that that had been hidden. I think so. Rumors and legends often center on treasure coming from secrets, secret societies trying to hide valuable items, while others focus more on pirate treasures. There are even many TV shows dedicated to searching areas with advanced technology in hopes of finding something deep underground or in hidden caves. Think about like the show, The Curse of Oak Island, uh, and that show is basically all about an island off the eastern coast of Canada near Nova Scotia. I watched it many years ago, and... I watched it for several years and I, they never found really anything. They talked about like, oh my gosh, we found this coin and it could be related to these hypothetical situations. They never found anything. I, I remember watching the first season with you and thinking like, this is just gonna, this is going to be every season. They're not going to find anything other than just little gold coins. Cause yeah, the, the trap that, Whatever the pirates fucked themselves, and if there is any treasure, no one can get to it because they built too many traps. But right, I don't know. Maybe there's something else there now. I don't know. At the time I was watching that show, I don't remember them me specifically mentioning Captain Kidd or the legends of his treasure. I know. Oh my gosh, it's Lulu. Hi, Lulu. Yeah, she's being problematic, so I'm punishing her by picking her up. Oh, yeah, she hates that. 
Don't keep touch yelling her. in the corner of the office. <laughs> producer, producer, bad producer. Yeah, she's today. yelling at me. <laughs> well, you must have done something wrong. I mean, producers wouldn't yell at you if you didn't do something wrong. <laughs> Anyway, so while I was watching that show, they talked about a lot of different legends associated with the potential of finding treasure there. They might have mentioned Captain Kidd. I don't know. But there is a possibility that he has some treasure hidden there because he was known to be around that area uh, during his time because he was based out of New York and he visited several of the islands off the coast of New York and Canada and Connecticut and all of that. So it's possible. Now, if you found buried treasure, would you even be able to get at it or would something prevent you from taking that loot home? Something scary or perhaps supernatural? I don't know the if I found treasure. Prevent you from taking it home. Government, <laughs> yes, that's the scary part. Maybe not the supernatural, <laughs> yeah. but the definitely the scary. scary. Part. <laughs> They're like, no, you can't have that. Give it to me. I think so in America, talk- you can do that, but everywhere else, it's like if you find a relic or something like that or treasure, it belongs to the government. Well, there's definitely laws associated with it wherever you find it. So, yeah, um, maybe if it's underwater it's probably a little bit different and then would depend on how far off the coast of whatever country you found it that would probably dictate but we're gonna talk about stupid if you declare it though if you find some shit and you declare it you're fucking stupid (laughs) you find it are you gonna hold on to it or are you gonna want to sell it and if you you want to sell it is you hold on to it until you die and then your grandkids find it and like when they're cleaning out your house and they're like, what the fuck? Like this old ancient buried treasure? And then they're billionaires. Yeah. Like Maybe. they sell it to then some have guy to on the it. black market. Yeah, it's their problem. That's what yeah. That's what finding treasure is. You just hide it for your grandkids or your kids to find until you die. And yeah. It becomes that's a, a long movie. time of that's a long <laughs> time of holding on to that stuff. So let's talk about William Kidd. He is otherwise known as Captain Kidd, the pirate. William Kidd was born in Scotland in 1645. When he was a young man, he settled in New York, making friends with many high-ranking citizens, government officials, and things like that. By the late 1600s, he was a sea captain and employed as as a privateer. Privateers were armed ships supported by a government and used for the purpose of defense during war times. So basically, if the U.S. was at war with somebody else, they would hire a privateer. Technically, they weren't the U.S. at that point. But they would hire, hire a privateer that would have an armed ship that would defend wherever they were at, and they would basically attack the other ships from other countries. Instead of being paid for their services, they would capture the enemy ships and their cargo, taking taking all the valuables for themselves. So it's like they were pirates, but because they were doing it under the government, uh, official government approval, then it was okay and they weren't considered pirates. 
That sounds like a cool job to have. Yeah. Go, I mean, if you want to be on the <laughs> ocean and in a ship. Be a government-sanctioned pirate. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's exactly what <laughs> that it was. That sounds so fun. Yeah. So for How about 10 years. Right. I don't think they do that now. Sorry. Maybe. I don't know. Move to Somalia and become an ungovernment-sanctioned pirate. <laughs> uh, I don't think those guys do very well. Just saying. I don't know. If you watch Captain Phil, well, I guess they died in Captain Phillips. Oops. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they were asking for a lot of money, though. <laughs> they don't do so well. No. So for about 10 years, Kidd was commissioned as a privateer by different government sources. He spent some time in New York making friends and connections. Then he would travel the seas on his privateer missions. He didn't always follow the standards of respect for other entities and ships, which angered the other ship's captains and caused many of his crew to leave. So he didn't like salute them the way they wanted to be saluted. And they were like, Oh, that's not acceptable. And then they would be pissed off at him. And he's like, what do you want for me? You know? And apparently his crew, some of his crew thought it was shitty. So they would leave him and then he'd be looking for more crew. Kid often attempted to follow the privateer rules in which he could only attack ships from countries that were at war at war with the government he was working for. So if he worked with, say, if he was commissioned by England, he could only attack ships that were at war with England, like France, per se. He couldn't attack anybody else. That was frowned upon. Okay. So on one occasion, a crew member named Moore suggested Kidd attack a nearby Dutch ship, but Kidd refused because the Dutch were not at war with his commissioned country, and it would have been blatant piracy. And he was like, I'm not down for that. So he got in a fight with his crew member, which ultimately ended up in this guy's death, Moore. So Moore died because Kidd hit him over the head with some. Kid eventually captured a ship in the late 1690s, and that was questionable. Like, he wasn't supposed to have captured the ship, and people were upset about it. And he was like, well, I've got it now, and I've got all their stuff, so I had to figure out what to do with it. The ship was supposed to have safe passage, but Kid took over the ship anyway. So at that time, if you were on a ship, you could... Like if you were on a ship for England and you could have been captured, you could purchase safe passage from another country and then that country would have to let you go because you had purchased safe passage. Kind of like a blackmail thing. It's like if you don't purchase it, then the pirates are coming. But if you do, then you're all right. We'll, right. I mean, we'll tell them not to come. <laughs> <laughs> the, the shit it just it's so wild back then the things that like oh uh, yeah you can get away with this it's fine but you can't do it this way or you're gonna get in trouble whatever so the ship was filled with many treasures ranging from exotic and expensive fabrics to precious metals like gold and silver when word of this got back to england kid was accused of piracy he learned about the piracy charges, so he made several stops at islands from the Caribbean ranging north to the northeastern uh, U.S. as he was returning on his way to New York. 
basically he found out he was going to be he was being accused of piracy and he was like i gotta ditch all this shit including the ship and all of the stuff that i got from it it is believed that he may have left some of the riches he had gathered on his outings at these locations so and on at least one of the island stops Uh, Gardner's Island specifically, it was confirmed that he left treasure because it was later gathered up and used at his piracy trial. This treasure included gold, silver, exotic fabrics, and jewels. I would love to find that. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Kidd was eventually captured in 1699. He was sent to London to stand trial for piracy and the murder of his crew member Moore. The guy that he hit over the head that he was he was just trying to do what he was supposed to and not attack the ship that the kid said, uh, you know, that Moore said, oh, you should attack him. And kid was like, Captain Kid was like, no, I'm going to get in trouble for doing that. And it accidentally led to this guy's death. And so now he's on trial for his murder. Oof. Unfortunately, he was convicted of uh, murder. And five counts of piracy, he was sentenced to death by hanging in 1701. The gruesome side of that is that, unfortunately, the the execution didn't go as planned, and the rope broke on the first attempt. So they got a new rope that didn't break, and they completed the hanging. <laughs> Due to the many... St- yeah. Wouldn't that just friggin' suck? That's- You're like... <laughs> yeah oh, the rope broke oh maybe they'll take you, you know right nope they got a new rope due to the many stops along kids return to new york there are many places that treasure hunters believe may contain lost items but hunting for treasure isn't always as easy as some of the treasure hunters report terrifying things So we're going to talk about some of those terrifying things. Okay. In Connecticut, Maine, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Maryland, New Hampshire, and New York, there are locations where treasure hunters have hoped to find kids' riches. But these locations seem to be protected by spirits that often appear once a treasure has been found only to snatch the treasure away. The spirits range from demons to a headless man and even ghost horses so imagine you yeah you dig up like a treasure and then a headless man comes and says no you can't have that a headless ghost man he's catching these hands either ghost or not I'm taking this treasure with me son finders keepers losers weepers People didn't he's do a, that. So. He's obviously a weeping loser if he's trying to take my treasure. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the protective spirits scare the treasure hunters or threaten them, and sometimes they distract them while stealing the treasure back. So, like, one account was, like, they dug a hole, they hit a metal, like, the lid of what they thought was, like, a treasure chest, and the... Spirit came and distracted them, scared them away. And when they came back, the hole and all the gear that they used to dig the hole was gone. (laughs) 
Yeah. So like there's shovels okay. and Just stealing yeah, their gone. shit. Yep. I, One notable... I bet that was a crackhead trying to pawn some DeWalt shovels or some shit. Oh, could be. <laughs> could be. Could be. One notable location believed to house some of kids' treasure is Liberty Island, where the Statue of Liberty stands greeting visitors. No treasure has ever been found on Liberty Island, but perhaps it's sitting under the massive statue protected by more than spirits. That's why France decided to give it to us. So, like, we got to cover this guy's treasure. Right. We got to cover Captain <laughs> Kidd's treasure. So that is my story about Captain Kidd and his treasure on I'm, maybe islands. I'm jealous of him. I'd love to be a government-sanctioned pirate. Sounds like a dream job for me. <laughs> we'll check uh, those uh, websites that have job yeah. postings and see if there's a government-sanctioned pirate. Let me look up on uh, pirate on Indeed. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Sup, everyone. Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies, Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia! So let me tell you about North Sentinel Island. Okay. North Sentinel Island is one of the Adaman Islands located in the Bay of Bengal and is protected by the Indian government, who has made it illegal to board the island in 1956. <clears throat> the island is inhabited by a somewhat uncontacted tribe called the North Sentinelese, which contains between 500 and 400 people. However, this number may be like wrong or vary since we can't visit the island and it's more of an estimation. And uh, it's estimated that the Sentinelese have lived on this island for over 6,000 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's and a long like ass a time. There's a couple of neighboring islands, but uh, th those tribes have been contacted and... A lot of the islands that did have tribes nearby were killed when uh, British settlers visited them and introduced disease. Oh, because, okay. Yeah. So that whole several disease structures. Thing. Yeah, I mean, it, they have no uh, immunity to these whatever right syphilis or these fucking right British whatever germs. Yeah. yeah. So several structures have been spotted on the island, including a communal hut and several smaller huts that are most likely used for individual families. 
They kind of look like uh, little lean-tos, but like a little bit more advanced. So I say somewhat uncontacted because they have had visitors in the past. But before I get into that, let's talk about the island. So North Sentinel is located 22 miles west of Wandor and 37 miles northeast of South Sentinel Island. North Sentinel has a dense forest surrounded by beautiful, like, North Sentinel has a dense forest surrounded by white beaches that I will admit are very beautiful from the videos that I've seen, like, of the tribe. To make you want to go there. Yeah, it it looks like like a Hawaii beach or something. Damn, that sucks. Yeah. The the beaches are surrounded by coral reefs, which prevent larger boats from coming ashore. And the island is covered in bullet wood and Malabar silk cotton trees. The island is home to Indian boars, coconut crabs, which are popular food sources for the Sentinelese people. And also, they, uh, they've been like witnessed eating uh, sea turtles every once in a while that come ashore. Okay. Yeah. That, Wonder that's what, what turtle eat. tastes like. I don't know. It, I'm guessing it tastes fishy. I'd imagine it probably tastes weird. I don't know. I I don't think I've eaten small game before, other than chicken. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, you had alligator. But that's not small game. That's big game. Okay. Maybe, alligator maybe can alligator. eat someone. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> Valid point. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's not small game. Okay. So, oh. in 19... Oh, sorry. In 1771, the tribe received one of their first visitors from the outside world. Niva was an Indian ship carrying goods and merchandise when it crash-landed on the island, likely due to monsoons. The ship struck the coral reef near the island coast and was stranded on the island. The crew of 106 were met with a hostile tribe, which they fended off attacks from before being rescued by the Royal Navy a couple days later. This is the best case scenario for future visitors of North Sentinel Island. Because in the 1800s, Naval officer Maurice Vidal Portman visited the island with hopes of exploring North Sentinel and learning about the tribe and their culture. He and his men found several huts and some abandoned villages, but after a few days of exploring, the group came into contact with the tribe. Maurice and his crew kidnapped a group of six Sentinelese, which were... Maurice and his crew kidnapped a group of six Sentinelese, which consisted of an older couple and four children. He brought the group back to his home with the intention of studying them. Soon after being kidnapped, the elderly couple became horribly sick and sadly passed away in Maurice's care. Oh, sad. Maurice then took four children. Maurice then took the four children and returned them to the island with some gifts to the tribe. And after this, the tribe would go without contact till the 1970s when Indian explorer parties tried to make peace and develop a relationship with the group. Explorers traveled to the island. However, this time they kept their distance. They dropped off a doll and some pigs for the tribe, 
but they were quickly speared, both the pig and the doll. Oh. As, yeah, and they, they took those and buried both of them on the beach. Was it, it was a live pig? Yeah, a couple of live pigs. Oh. I think it was two or three, and like oh. a little doll, and they just speared them immediately and buried them. I, I, okay. Well, dolls are gross and creepy. We've already established that. <laughs> I get it. Okay. Carry on. Another expedition in 1974 left one cameraman for Nat Geo injured. Oh. The boat was attacked by the Sentinelese in which one tribesman fired an arrow roughly 2.5 meters long, which is like 12 feet, I think, give or take. The- the, the arrow? arrow? The arrow. That's a big fucking arrow. So, yeah. Yeah. How do you, like, okay. Uh, so that big ass arrow hit the videographer in the leg. Luckily, he survived. He just had, like, some wounds and injuries, but still, Ooh. like, that's a, that's a weapon. <laughs> it's like a ballista. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for real. So the boat quickly fled to a nearby island where it beached to take care of the, obviously, the injured videographer. And in the late 90s, the tribe finally experienced a peaceful exchange when when Trilanath Pandey, the director of the anthrop, anth, the director of the Anthropological Survey of India, traveled to them with gifts. He made sure to keep his distance and not to board the island or go on shore. He dropped bags of coconuts and left a couple pigs in the water, which tribesmen swam out and collected their gift. So these pigs were okay, but the last pigs were not okay. Yeah, it's been some time. I th- I think it okay. it was a it's been some time since they were kidnapped, so they're probably like maybe we can trust them. Okay. But so, and one of the reasons that they did trust them is because they made sure to keep their distance and to not board the island. So, they they stayed out in the water and they kind of showed like, "Hey, we're not coming aboard. We have gifts. So like, right. we'll leave you alone. We got some stuff for you, but we're gonna leave." But okay, once the visitors stayed too long, the Sentinelese would fire arrows and spears at their boats. So, <laughs> okay. they're kind of like, "Leave your gifts and get out of here." Just right, yeah. So in Sometimes I wish I could do that to people who've come over to my house and I'm like, you've outshaved your welcome. Up. <laughs> you can go now. In 2004, an earthquake in the Indian Ocean caused some damage to the island and other nearby islands. So the government sent some helicopters to fly over and check on the tribe. While flying over, the Sentinelese fired arrows, spears, and threw rocks at the helicopter. And in 2006, two poachers accidentally drifted onto shore when they got drunk and placed their anchor improperly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just wait. So the tribesmen saw the boat approaching and met them in the water, where the Sentinelese climbed on board and killed the two fishermen with axes. Oh, (laughs) okay. Maybe I'm not laughing so hard. All right, never mind. And their bodies were strung up on bamboo poles to warn off future visitors of their fate. On the beach, right? In front oh, of, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, However, I get it. I mean, this would not be enough to deter John Allen Chow from visiting the island. Okay. So, John was a Christian missionary who tasked himself with converting people he thought were lost or in the devil's grasp to Christianity. John became fascinated by uncontacted tribes and made it his personal mission to convert these tribes to Christianity. And on like a side note, he was a missionary for this uh, one group. I I can't remember that. I think it was, I'm not going to say. It, it was like a well-known group of Christian missionaries that were more of like a, they took more of an extreme standpoint, I guess you could say. Like okay. instead of like going to like a, a normal country, they would send them to like, they had a list of uncontacted tribes and that they tr were trying to convert. Oh. So a lot of people blamed okay. this whole thing on that group. Okay. But he also had a fascination in uncontacted tribes, which is why he decided to go to the island. So John found some fishermen near the island who agreed to take him to North Sentinel. On November 14th, 2018, John boarded the ship, which brought him close to the island, but the fishermen were hesitant about the tribe, so they made John kayak the rest of the way to North Sentinel. They they left their boat about a mile or two away, so because they made it right. illegal to go within, I think it was three nautical miles of the island. So okay, you had to keep some distance from the island, or else the Coast Guard would come and uh, give you some trouble. Okay, but. While kayaking, John was able to catch some fish to try and offer to the tribe. He, I, I think it was a he caught a barracuda and another smaller fish. Because they can't when fish John, for themselves. Well, it's more of like a gift. It try, trying to okay. show peace, I guess. Like okay. So when John got near the island, he was greeted by two tribesmen carrying bows and arrows. John yelled out, "My name is John. I love you, and Jesus loves you." Jesus Christ gave me the authority to come to you. Here is some fish. This is all accounted in a personal diary that John had on the boat. Okay. And on November 15th, John was shot at by a tribesman. John dropped off gifts near the shore and tried to preach to them. However, they fired arrows at him, getting lodged in his Bible, which he was holding in front of his chest. So, if he wasn't, God saved him this time. I mean, yeah. he caught that arrow. Yeah. He could have gone right through them, especially if they're those two-meter-long arrows. Jesus. Right. Oh, I've never seen an arrow that long. That'd be terrifying. How do you even control an arrow that long? Lots of practice. So like the tribe... Six and a half feet tall. The, John was on the beach at this point, by the way. I forgot to mention. Oh, so the tribe okay. He took the his kayak. Yeah. So I think that's why they fired the arrow at him because he was—he actually made it on the beach. So, oh, the tribe took his kayak, and so John was forced to swim back to the fishing boat, which was like a mile. Oh, okay. Yeah, and on November sixteenth, John traveled out to the island one last time. He feared that the fishing boat was scared. He feared that the fishing boat was scaring the tribesmen, so he told the fishermen to leave once they're. Like once he left their boat and to come back the next day to pick him up. So when the fishermen arrived the next day, they spotted a group of North Sentinelese tribesmen dragging John's corpse by a rope along the beach. 
They told police, however, Indian government decided it was too dangerous to recover the body. Yeah. This would be the last visitor to visit North Sentinel Island. Did he know? So, yeah. On the last diary entry that he made, he was... He kind of explained how scared he was and, like, he he was talking, like, to God and he was saying, um, this is my mission and if they kill me, then this is what was meant to happen. And, like, oh. he knew that he was going into a very dangerous situation and that he was mentally prepared, I guess you could say. Oh. And he knew what he was getting himself into, so. Wow. And the oh, six, that's super sad. Uh, it was either five or six fishermen that brought him out to the island were convicted in trial. For, uh, oh. For, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Because they, they weren't were, supposed to, and they knew that? Yeah, they were closer to the island they were supposed to, and he paid them to take them out there. So it was technically oh. their fault. And oh. so the Indian government has done this multiple times. Like, since multiple people have died there, they say, we're, we cannot and we will not arrest these people and try them because right this is their island and you're breaking the law by going there so makes sense yeah but. wow and and so john knew that there were laws against him going there and he went anyway yes he knew because wow. he you can't just get a boat out there he had to convince a group of christian fishermen to bring him out there wow they paid them so yeah, it's kind of like oh. the Paviglia story where you you're not allowed to go there. You got to pay someone to take you out there, yeah. like under the table, like yeah. Oh, that is so sad. Yeah. So the government has kind of just kept an eye on them. They said no contact. We're just gonna watch them like from afar and make sure they're doing okay. Mm. Okay. Which is, I really like. I really want to know what their life is like. Like, yeah, that's right. It's it, definitely so curious. Interesting. So interesting to know, but there's doesn't seem like there's much like, like there's a good way to find out. <laughs> no, because if you attempt to, you're going to end up dead. I wonder if they fly like drones over there and stuff like that. Like what happens if they, I mean, you said that like a helicopter, they were they were shooting arrows at it, and I'm sure the helicopter pilot was like, "Whatever, it's a fucking arrow. I am in a helicopter. Woohoo!" You know? Yeah. It, I don't know. I wonder what they think of that. Also, like that's what I would be more interested in is like they see a helicopter flying in. What what do they think of that? What is what do they see that as? True. That's true. They have no frame of reference. They, they don't have no idea what a helicopter is. They just see like this oh, giant God. metal thing flying yeah. in the sky and making a weird noise. Right? It makes you wonder like if if any yeah, like just so many questions from their perspective like the things that they think and believe and like you said, what do they think a helicopter is? You know? think it's like a bird or like a god or i don't know yeah oh that's wild yeeks hello twisted humans 
Do you find yourself wanting to know more about the latest murder, conspiracy, cult, or haunting? Then this is the podcast for you. In 1952, there was a record high of UFOs reported. 1,500 sightings. There has been evidence of human sacrifice, devil worship, and it is haunted by more spirits than can be counted. A family of two adults and two kids reportedly saw a giant flying thing with glowing red eyes. And meanwhile, the family's nanny that helped Veronica to care for her and Lucian's children was found bludgeoned to death in the basement of their family home. I'm Alicia. And I'm Sierra. And this is Twisted Twisted and Uncorked. chaser for us i do my chaser is from an article on the good news network and it is about a a dolphin that was found in a canal off the tampa bay in florida so a resident in the area called a rescue uh marine biologist at an aquarium and reported that there was a dolphin that had been trapped in the canal. So there's a canal off the bay, man-made canal. And apparently when dolphins get into that kind of situation, sometimes, well, humans will feed them because dolphins are cute and amazing and do cool stuff and they're adorable. And so if people feed them, which is against the law, it will train them to just not be able to hunt anymore because they're like, ah, people are going to feed me. It's cool. So it's against the law to feed them. So don't feed a dolphin. Uh, But the concern was that this dolphin would not be able to, it wouldn't know how to fish for itself anymore. It wouldn't know how to, you know, get its own food. And so rescuers were concerned that this dolphin was not going to make it. So their solution was to form a human chain across the canal. And so a bunch of people got together and like hand to hand held onto each other across the canal. They had a boat behind them with a guy in the boat and they were making a lot of noise trying to, keep the dolphin from going any farther up the canal. So it essentially chased the dolphin out of the canal. The dolphin made it back into the bay and he's safe and on his own in the wild again and can be a normal dolphin. That's super cool. Yeah. I thought that was neat. What chaser do you? Yes. Yes. So my chaser comes from a website called Newsroom, and it's about a group of researchers who discovered a poop of a cat on Mount Everest, and they DNA tested it, and it came out to be a rare cat called the Palace Cat. And The Palace Cat? Yeah, I'll throw a picture of okay. it up on the screen right now, but it looks 
it has like a Dr. Phil haircut. Like it has a very flat <laughs> top of the head. It looks bald on the top almost. Like it's not bald, but it, it has like a shorter hair. And then the rest of the head is like, and it has a little grumpy face. Like, oh my gosh. Eyes, like, <laughs> it looks Angry very cat. Funny. Sad cat. Yeah, so That's funny. I'll throw a picture of it. But researcher, researchers just discovered that it lives on uh, Mount Everest. And, Wow. I didn't know about this cat, but I want one now because it looks like a little loaf of bread with a face. It's like, oh, this is such a cute how cat. big is it? How big is it like house cat size or is it like wild cat like, size? It's like lynx size. It's a little bigger than oh, a house cat, okay. but not like a huge mountain lion. Right. That'd be kind of yeah, cool. It's like, it's like similar size to a lynx, maybe a little smaller, but it has a big, Neat. long, bushy tail. It's oh, so because it's cold up there, so he's got to be fluffy. Yeah, yeah but they uh, didn't know that he existed on uh, Mount Everest, and they just discovered that there's at least a couple of them there. Wow, that's yeah. super cool. I love cats; they're so cute. Which is why we have cats. Oh, yep. And why Lulu is a producer. <laughs> Yes. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for telling me that wild story and brutal and very sad. Yeah. Hopefully they're thriving on North Sentinel Island. It sounds <laughs> like they are. I mean, yeah, they're doing great. 500 they just... to 400 people on there. That's pretty big. Although the inbreeding has got to be an issue. Just saying. <laughs> Not to be like Mormon and weird, but (laughs) (laughs) okay. Whoo, that took a turn. All right. Well, (laughs) nice chatting with you, bud. Nice chatting with you too. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. We would love for you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to give us a five-star rating, we would forever be grateful. You can contact us at our email via thebrutalandbizarre at gmail.com or on our Instagram at thebrutal underscore bizarre underscore boozy.